He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, Theology, Life. We make a beginning into Jude 3 and 4. Jude's intensity rises almost immediately. He attacks the false teachers by touching both the intellect and emotions of his readers, even evoking disgust. Jude isn't on the defense. He's bringing it. Let's begin. Well, I hope we didn't burn everybody out, Timothy, on verses. So hopefully we just got the engine started. We started throwing logs into the fire, and maybe it's burning <laughs> brightly right now. But uh, here we are. We finally finished up verses 1 and 2, and we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're not going to promise anything because we can't keep promises that only Jesus foolish. can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to try to get through verses three and four today. At least make a beginning. Let's say this. We're going to make a beginning. So here's what it says there. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Now, we're, wow. Yeah, <laughs> there's, wow. There's, That's whoo, heavy. There's a lot of stuff in there, but what I think we should do is just back up for a second and, you know, pretend like you're in an airplane and what we need to do is just survey the overall scene of Jude. Just try oh. to get a big picture. What is really going on here in show Jude? Us, because, yeah, show us the beaches and the mountains and what is Jude all about? What's the structure here? And what you've got going on in Jude from a big picture is a brilliant rhetorical argument. And the scholars these days, they really see this very, very clearly. They are, Jude's borrowing, it seems, whether he's doing that intentionally or not, we don't know, but he's definitely borrowing from rhetorical strategy that uh, people would have used back then, particularly like in, in a Grecian or Hellenistic setting. That's what Hellenism is. It's, it's a Greek influence. And so you, you can really see this really clearly in Jude. So if you look at it from a really, and I know a lot of you are listening and you're driving and you're podcasting this thing, but just to give you, try to give you a, a way to see it even in your mind if you don't have the text in front of you, what you have are verses one and two. You have 
basically there agreeing. And then in verse three, you got Jude laying laying out the case. You know, here's here's what I want to do. He says. And then in verse four, he says, here's why. You know, this is the problem that exists, and we're going to see that. And then in verses five through sixteen, that's the bulk of his argument. So he's going to make his case. You might say. Here's 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 the argument that I'm trying to make, and then here are the proofs for my argument. And then verses 17 through verses 23, he's going to kind of re-narrate his his case, and he's going he's going to say this is the case, and then he's going to appeal powerfully to our emotions. Now that's just doing some analytical stuff, but you can see here that we are in a very, very key part of the book in verses three and four. He's going to say, this is what I'm trying to do. And then he's going to say, this is why I'm trying to do it. That's verse three and then verse four. Did I miss anything, Timothy? I, I don't think so. I, that, that all makes sense to me. It made One of the things I've been doing lately is studying the 95 Theses and and uh, it, the same kind of structure is actually found there. It's it's a very old rhetorical strategy where you connect with your listeners, um, and then you 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 state here's what we're going to be talking about, and and then you have you you lay out the arguments. There's a part called the confutation, and then you bring it home. And this is a this is a very um, typical rhetorical thing. So why are there 95 theses? Somebody asked me. And um, well, because he's going to use that structure, Martin Luther, same thing that we're um, actually seeing here in Jude. So I, I think you can you can look at that structure and, and sort of place it over a lot of different things. I mean, and there's a lot we could say about it. Maybe I'll just say this for now. It's this, that Christians aren't dummies you know we're not we're not the kind of people who are like this this is you know uh we actually try to structure our arguments in thoughtful intellectual ways so we finally we believe people accept the truth supernaturally or by the power of the spirit but that doesn't mean we lay it out in a haphazard unclear way we're gonna lay it out to the best of our ability appealing to both people's logic and their emotions. And that's probably one more thing I just want to mention is that Jude's a pretty emotional guy, wouldn't you say? <laughs> He's very intense. I mean, we're we're going to mark that, I, I think, um, here in verse 3 especially. like he's He just pours energy into what he's writing, and there's no doubt about that. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, we, we'll have to along the way but a lot of people are like you know don't don't phrase it in don't argue in certain ways because it's really offensive to people and we kind of live in that culture but jude he doesn't he's not worried with about those. That. <laughs> he's not at all he he so like we'll, we'll look at these terms more in depth but he he calls people certain men you know like casting aspersions on them yeah it's he's contemptuous of them and he wants us to be contemptuous of them. He says they work themselves in secretly, you know, secretly. So he, okay. you know, these he's he's saying like these are duplicitous, duplicitous, underhanded people. He says they're godless. I mean, these are all super emotional terms. Like he's vilifying them. He's like he's making them yeah. into evil, evil people. Um, and he said, he says he, they're deniers, they're, they're immoral. So he's trying to give us a sense of urgency and disgust 
for the other side, you might say. Oh, that's a good word, disgust. I, I like that, yeah. is um, dig right into verse 3 and uh, point out some of the significant features in there. You want to go at that there, Timothy? Well, yeah, he, he right away he just says, dear friends, dear friends. And he's going to say that two other times in the letter. So he's, he's connecting with them on a relationship level. And, and you could even, in the Greek, it's actually beloved. Yeah, you know, beloved. I, I know that. NIV there has friends, but it is beloved. It's really an intense relational term. Beloved and not, you know, first of all, by God, you know, so that's how he's going to start the letters. Like, wow, these are you, I'm writing to you people who God just loves. And he's, and he's showed us already in that greeting, how much God loves these people in Christ. Um, but it's also the fact that they are beloved by Jude. And so Jude is actually writing from a place of love and concern. And he's going to write as he starts to establish, here's why I'm really writing. He's going to start in that way on a relationship um, level. <laughs> so I think there's something he's to not think just going to pound truth at him. Yeah. So it's not like he's standing on a street corner um, talking about sin and doom um, with people that he's got no relationship with. Uh, with he's writing to people that he deeply loves and who he knows now what he says what he says right away is really interesting Uh, the niv translates it this way although i was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share i felt compared compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith now there's a lot we have to get into but probably the first thing we need to get into is we're faced immediately here with a pretty significant interpretive issue. And that's, what are we going to do with this participle we got here? Because there's different there's different translations. And um, I want to read to you uh, the NRSV. I just read to you the NIV. I also want to read the NRSV. And I'll put them side by side. So first of all, the NIV says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write, although... I was very eager to write. So a big grammatical term, since I like those, is this is concessive. Although. This is a con- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then, you, and then you got, here's the NRSV. Beloved, while eagerly preparing to write. So temporal. While. So it's con- concessive versus <laughs> temporal, if we want to use the grammatical terms. Now, what do you favor? What is Jude writing this book um, because he wants to contend for the faith or is he writing this book to talk about the common salvation that they have? Yeah, so That's really those the question the two, there. Yeah, those are the two options. Either Jude's sitting there going, is, I'm going to write to you a book about the gospel and I'm going to say a bunch of things about that and here I go. So that's option one. Option two is I was going to write about the gospel, something principally about the gospel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the common salvation, to use his words. But uh, 
I got to deal with something else principally instead. <laughs> yeah. So which one <laughs> something is Something that came to my attention here. Which one is it? Is he contending or is he sharing the gospel in this book? Well, interpreters are divided on the issue. And I think there's some good arguments on, on either side. You know, there's, you could look at Jude overall and notice, you know, he does say things about, about the gospel and, and about our, com- our common salvation. And you could notice those things and say, you know, Jude's really just, and even, even the negative things you could say, well, those, those are certainly related to the gospel. And so in that sense, um, he's trying to keep people in our common salvation by denying these things. And so you could understand it that way. I'm inclined to go with the NIV interpretive choice there and say, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation. I wanted to bring up more themes about justification by th- faith, for example, talk more about grace and those types of things. But I'm going to have to do something that's that's urgent here, that's related to the law, that's really a perversion of Christianity. I wanted to write about something else, but I'm going to have to really focus on this. So, so like, I, I kind of in, in agreement with that. So what happened was he sat down, he was thinking, I want to write a letter because I really, to these beloved people. And he wanted to write a letter like Philippians <laughs> and say, let's just rejoice. This is awesome that Jesus has lived and died and, and he um, lives again for us. And let's, let's rejoice in that. So like the theme would be rejoice. Um, but what he ends up happening to write is, uh, Christians, it's time to agonize for the faith, contend, struggle um, for the faith. And so it's a very different uh, letter that he ends up having to write. Does he, you I, see that? Absolutely. And one one thing I will mention is you have to see the heart of the preacher here. You have to see the heart of the servant of Jesus Christ, Jude. You have to see it. And what you have to see is that Christianity always has as its, as its beating heart grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the peace he won for us. We all want to talk about it other all the time. We prefer but sometimes to. we have to get into warnings. Sometimes, we right? The gospel mm-hmm. must predominate. We say that all the time. The gospel must predominate. It's got to be the main thing. But sometimes you got to deal with these other issues. When people are really getting off track and they're actually leaving the gospel behind, you might say. And in fact, if if you're connected to a pastor, you're connected to a church that doesn't have the gospel as its heart, you know, or your pastor's like, man, I got, I'm really heavy about this. I, I have to talk about this, though. If he's up there and he's just preaching law at you all the time, then your church has lost the gospel, and your church needs a reformation. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's not, that's not the heart of this apostle Jew, like he wanted, he wanted to write about the common salvation. That's what all the apostles prefer to write about, but sometimes they couldn't. And Jude couldn't hear. He, for the sake of the gospel, he had to um, write a letter about contending. Yeah. Now he. He now you did you did you already got into it this this idea of contend you know this huge idea of contend it's a that's a big powerful verb it's comes from athletic contests 
And uh, so you're talking about really sweating it out, you know, like you're, if you're, cause I'm a runner, I always think of like, if you're running, really agonizing for this thing and really that's the idea and this is what he says we're supposed to contend for the faith well can now, we, what in the world before you before you get into the faith though a little bit more about this word because i really i really want this that word to feel like you're sticking your finger into a electrical socket it's a really a loaded um powerful word it it's only used here in the bible it only here. This is this is what we call a hapax legomena. Um, it, it, in other words, it doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible. The Apostle Paul will talk. He'll talk about this agonia um, or this agonizing. That's literally the Greek word there. Um, in other parts of the Bible, he says, "I beat my body and I struggle and I fight." And and in in his letters, but nowhere does he use. A word. This is actually epi agonizomai, so it's like a step up from that, um, like a super struggle. It's a, a super, super struggle, yeah. So, like, I, I think we need to walk away from that word and be like, well, like, wow, um, Jude is coming at us with this um, word. I'm gonna agonize over this thing that we call the faith. So now I'm ready to talk about the faith. Well, 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 okay, but you just, let's just mention for just one second, then we're going to talk about the faith, is this is not a defensive posture, you know? No, This yeah. is not like, let's batten down the hatches and we're going to take some hits, people, but hey, we're going to make it out okay. This is like, go out there and fight. This is a very offensive, and I don't mean that like, we're going to make a lot of people mad, although we will. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to go out there in your fight. It's an offensive thing instead of a defensive position. So go and contend. For the faith. There's, my, there's our segue. The faith. That's right. So... The faith. Um, and whew, there's some Latin terms that we could lay down here. I don't know that we have to do that, but there is a difference. We should talk about subjective faith and objective faith for a second. Subjective faith is the, is the faith that we have in our hearts. It's, it's, the, it's the knowledge, the trust that God has indeed saved us. Through it's Jesus the faith Christ. that believes inside of you it does the believing inside of you that's it's your faith that's subjective faith what jude and this is this is pretty well in agreement with the commentators on this verse is that the faith is actually an object of faith so this is a faith that is outside of you these are propositional truths objective truths that are outside of you um that is the faith that we're talking about here so in other words, it's there's there's the faith. The first one is the faith that does the believing. It's inside of you, and then there's a faith which is believed. So it's 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 a body of truth out there that that you receive in your heart. So right. mm -hmm. in other words, it's dogma. <laughs> yeah, How, how's that? It's creed. You know, it's, it's a belief. Apostles' system. creed. Yeah. No, that's a loaded. That's a loaded term. 
dogma why? doctrine. Why? What are people saying about <laughs> what are people saying about dogma and doctrine today? Well, people hate it. People hate anytime you try to lay True. down like this this is the truth, they're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't wanna you know, we don't wanna be so sure about that. Because yeah. then you create groups and you draw lines and it's really offensive to people. Like, oh, dogma, doctrine, woo. <laughs> yeah. But that is a foreign, that's actually a foreign idea to the New Testament. Now, some people are going to take this idea of uh, Wait, Jude. Wait, what's a foreign have, idea? Clear that up for a second. What's the foreign idea? In the New Testament, it's a foreign doctrine and dogma is a saving thing. Like, it, it's always... Yeah. something and and a celebrated thing and it's a thing handed down carefully as a good deposit like we got to protect this and we got to promote this and it is awesome it's the apostle paul talk about healthy doctrine and good in other words like it can it can take a sick person and and, and make them well and so doctrines a really good thing dogmas a really good thing it's something that's handed to us something we should protect etc but i you know like i talked to a lady the other day she she called the church she was interested in it and it was just really interesting to me as a pastor to talk to her because she was just her whole thing was like i just undermining doctrine you know we have too much dogma too much doctrine and that's not really what christianity about and i was just listening to her trying to hear her heart thinking to myself wow she doesn't understand like the whole thing is you have to believe something as a christian our belief system is dogma. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and it's objective. It's outside of us. It, um, <laughs> and it's one it's teaching, for all. right? There is a teaching of Christ. What Jude says, what he calls it, the NIV translates it this way: that this is a faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So it's also changeges. It. Yeah, it's not it, something it's that we get to on the wings of culture or something like that. Now, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Everybody, God built us to receive doctrine. He built us to receive, to use Jude's word, the faith. And our hearts are meant to be built upon something, upon a teaching. And you can see this as, as our world. I, I just read a really interesting article in, in a, a piece called in a in a magazine called the stone and it said it just noticed that as as you know christian dogma is thrown out the world it's not that people are actually becoming secular because it's not true as people start clinging less and less to christian faith and i'm using that in an objective sense right now uh what people are doing is they're they're starting to hold on to other doctrines so, for example, in the United States today, more and more and more and more and more people are believing in aliens. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the hottest things that people are talking about. Amazing. Americans are starting to believe in aliens based on no evidence whatsoever. Now, <laughs> and you look, look, around, look around on the TV shows you watch. Like, people believe in the paranormal. People do have dogma, and that's why you can see, like, in politics, people, whether it's the right side or the left side, people are treating that as dogma. If you don't agree with them, it's a deeply felt emotional, spiritual thing, and that's why it's so divisive. Or uh, I, I got into that, how uh, a Stone article that was arguing the exact same thing. People aren't becoming less religious. People aren't becoming less 
indoctrinated. It's that just that they're believing different things. So one of the one of the things that's really interesting is you watch people who are starting to believe in aliens. And they're <laughs> because people people have a sense they need something bigger than them, smarter than them, over them to get a sense of security and have some kind of foundation in life. And and of course God built us that way. But 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 <laughs> aliens aren't God <laughs> and there's yeah. no evidence for them whatsoever in our universe and so um, look Jude is saying contend for the Christian faith contend for the Christian belief system as it's laid down in the scriptures once for all in a normative authoritative life ruling way there I kind of went off yeah tonight. and I, I think <laughs> we need to make a real careful distinction too because um, we you know, now we we're now we're talking about aliens, and I could tell you about how last week I sat with a guy who um, went to a website about uh, Bigfoot, you know, and humanoids and stuff like that that live up there in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> People are very serious about finding Bigfoot too. But look, um, what's the difference between this objective Christian faith and, and those kinds of beliefs? Uh, our faith is not blind. It is based on objective facts. I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? That there really was a man named Jesus who walked the face of the earth, who did incredible miracles, who died on a cross, said that he would pick up his own life again from the grave three days later, and that he did it. So we're like these are these are just objective facts that people will deny just like they you know you can deny the holocaust if you want um you can deny that the titanic sank but it, it's kind of ridiculous to do that really the better thing to do is what does this mean for my life and and so when jude says we're handing down the faith uh it's not a blind kind of thing. It's our faith is based on tremendous realities of God uh, intervening into our world. <laughs> Which means it makes an awful lot of sense to contend for it, you know, to contend for reality. Because it say. is true. Like, this is really this is really true. This yeah, is this is, this really is the greatest truth that there is. podcasting scripture one book of the bible at a time for more information visit www.project1517.com or our facebook page we do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on itunes you can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website this is project 1517 scripture theology life